podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 201 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social. Europe's biggest sports podcast network, and also fanatics. Just me and Lee taking you through this uh, this Christmas Eve episode of the podcast. Obviously, the the day after the the two one defeat to Spurs, and what what's been a, a little bit of a of a disappointing week after the the, the loss of Fulham in the in the Carabao Cup. Um, but it's got to be said, you know, given the disappointments of Tuesday night. In, in a game which really we should have won. Obviously, we, we know what happened with the penalties. Um, we went to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, a side who's, you know, had won the two previous games, were in good form. Uh, I'd, I'd had a decent season so far. Um, and we went there, Lee, and, and by the first 20 minutes when we shipped two sloppy goals from our, our perspective, it's got to be said, Everton have come away there and we've come away as fans wondering how we haven't won the game. Yeah, mate. I mean, Dyche summed it perfectly after in his post match, didn't he? And he said, um, "You know, I'm so so proud of that performance. Uh, as proud as you could possibly be in a loss." And I think a lot of us as fans actually felt that as well. Um, I think I said to you um, not long after when we spoke on the phone, I said, "There's a lot to love about this side right now. This group of players, there really is." And 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 you've got to give massive credit to the manager and his team. And I know we feel like we've said that a few times on recent podcasts, but you really have because they've turned what was essentially a toxic environment into a thriving environment now, where the players, you know, players are dropping out either through injury, players are coming in, stepping up and taking their place. There's a real camaraderie. You can see that between the players on the pitch. Then there's a camaraderie between the players and the fans because we recognise the effort they're putting in. And, you know, to go 2-0 down after 18, 19 minutes and... Let's be fair, the way we started the game, we were on the front foot. We looked like the more likely side, or we certainly started assertively. Um, and then they've got two relatively quick-fire goals, really, from, from... I wouldn't say innocuous. It was good football. The first goal, obviously, Richie was inevitably going to score, wasn't it? That, that was a good move. They carved us open there, and, and it's good movement from him. He gets in front of Tarkovsky, and it's a good cross, good finish. But you raised the point to me, saying we went there... <clears throat> And we went 2-0 down in a similar spell under Lampard, didn't we? Um, and we ended up losing that game 5-0. Now, you know, we'd like to forget that that game. Of course, we would for, for, for obvious reasons. But um, we the way we recovered mentally is testament to the side yesterday. He could have easily folded. Everton of old, Everton of even 12 months ago uh, would have folded because, you know, we had a weak underbelly where we conceded one, we conceded two, three or four quite easily. But right now, the players dusted themselves off and and literally, you know, put in a hell of a performance. You've got to say, you've got to say, and not not just full of endeavour either. You know, it's not as if it's a lower league team going there in a cup game. You know, quality as well, absolute quality. I mean, Gomez comes on for Ghana, and what a performance, Mike! What a performance! I mean, yeah, we all know he's a lovely footballer. We've always said that. But we've, you know, we've always said he needs obviously legs around him because he can't cover the grass. 
Um, you know, the midfield days of him and Tom Davis were, were, were enough to give anyone Christmas nightmares. Um, but to be fair, you know, he came on and, and, and gave us that guile that we haven't got in midfield, gave us that little bit of technical quality, that quality that we needed in, in the cup in the week against Fulham. I said to both of you, we were in the ground, obviously sitting in a similar area. Um, I said to both of you, as soon as we scored, Beto scored that goal, we needed someone to get the foot on it in midfield because the, the players started playing 100 mile an hour. The game became stretched and it could have gone either way. And we just needed someone to put their foot on it in midfield and just calm down and, and obviously play the right pass. And, and some of the passes Gomez was playing yesterday, weight of pass, left foot, right foot, massive credit to him yesterday. He, he, you know, I, We've always liked him as a footballer. We all know that. Um, maybe sometimes blindly supporting him, you know, you know the type of players that I like as, as midfielders. Um, you know, when a lot of fans were giving him giving him crap, you know, I, I was sort of sometimes, but probably being overly defensive of him. But he was absolutely superb yesterday, and and and, and was testament or you know to us as a team. You know, he summed his performance summed us up as a team right now. It did, yeah, and I think you know, like you said, just going back to, to the, those two goals that Spurs scored quickly, and the point that you know we we feared the worst because we we've been there before with under obviously Frank Lampard was probably the most obvious, and when you can see two inside the first eighteen minutes, you think this side is going to capitulate, and even under Sean Dyche at times since he's come in, we we have seen that now and again where we have shipped a few goals, but you look at the at the character on display yesterday. And you mentioned like the Gomez coming on you know, fairly early for, for Garner Gay. Garner Gay gets puts his foot in, gets booked for the tackle, by the way. Um, and and then goes off, looks like a like a bit of a calf injury there. And then you, you bring on Andre Gomez and you think, how's this gonna work? But he plays Gomez as, as the 10. And and it's gotta be said, you know, he was absolutely terrific. And it's okay, you know, we've seen we've seen Gomez, I think, at times do this before, you know, in his Everton career. Have you know a good couple of performances? I've I've had the, the odd good performance, but he's come on there. Bear in mind, totally cold. This is his first first team action of this season at, at the club, from what I can remember. He's, he's had he's had quite a few niggling injuries, hasn't he? Um, and and Sean Dyson said it's been frustrating for him to try and get back. I'm playing for the twenty ones, which is um, what he what Sean Dyson likes to be when players are coming back from from injuries. Um, so for for him to come on and impact the game in that particular manner is testament to him and, and also to, to the manager as well because he's, he's brought a player on who you know we, we probably didn't expect a great deal of um, totally different to the player that, that went off he's dropped, he's dropped James Garner back a little bit deeper uh, with, with Amadou Anane obviously behind him as well and and it's 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 credited to the players that we said this before on the fringes of the squad you aren't getting much game time if any at all you know we, we've mentioned before Lewis Dobbin obviously Beto Dan Juma who will come on to shortly who came on yesterday as well and these players are all buying into it aren't they and it's it's quite clear I think by the attitude of the players when they come on the pitch that they they understand obviously the role they they, they want to play for this manager they want to play for this football club. And we need players like Andre Gomez, especially over the next few weeks or so, when you know, we've got still got a lot of games to come over the next few weeks. Uh, obviously, the African Cup of Nations coming up with Ghana Gay will be will be away for that. So we need to use the squad, and it's important that when the squad does get used, that the players coming in do make some kind of difference. And, and Andre Gomez has done himself no harm at all. Obviously, he scored a great goal, but his performance before that 
you know, definitely earned them the man of the match shouts with, without even scoring a goal. And and it, it it's nice nice to see that we've got players who can come in, who can make a difference. You want to take a chance as well, you know. They, the 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 skeptic in yeah, and I've saw it yesterday actually. Uh, would say that well, he's playing for a new deal, isn't he? Because his deals up at the end at the end of this this season. So I I don't buy into that. You know, I think it's I think it's difficult to sort of turn it off and on, so to speak, and at that particular level. But he was terrific, and and the response that the response was the biggest thing for me. Going two 0 down at a difficult place at a side they were you know they were fifth before before ball was kicked yesterday. Obviously now in the top four, going there. You know, it's it's a lovely stadium. It's a great stadium. The atmosphere is terrific. Uh, it could have been so easy to ship four or five goals. They haven't done that. The players were fighting. The players were battling. But more importantly, we played some lovely football at times as well. You know, we, we had we had the ball a little bit more often than, than normal. I think it was a 60-40 split. But we played some nice stuff. But it's got to be said, the way Spurs play, they are open. And Spurs will always give you those gaps, will they? Yeah, I mean, it's important to caveat with that. You know, Spurs do play with a high line. You know, they like to press the play. Um, and, you know, if you do manage to have a bit of quality in you, you can open them up. And, and we did that several times. The only bit we just we just lacked was the final finish. And also, you know, let's be honest, a little bit of misfortune as well. How, how Dom's goal wasn't allowed is, is... We may as well talk about this point now because, <clears throat> for me, it's, it's, it's an absolute shambles. It's a shambles again. It's another another example. Villa had a couple of shockers the night before, you know, um, and you know, goals taken off them when we, we should never have been taken off. And we've had one today, oh, yesterday. Um, and it was absolutely, you know, again, Gomez, great pressing. Emerson, let's be honest, he doesn't need much to go down anyway. You know, I know a few Spurs fans and they were worried about that side because obviously a doggy who's had a good start to the season. He's an athlete. He's a good player. It's a massive drop off to Emerson. You could see that. You know, we, we, we were all over them. You know, Harrison, you know, I thought he had a good game. Some fans didn't. I thought he did. Um, and, you know, we've, we've pressed him. Gomez has pressed him. He, he, in my yeah, look, there is there is some contact. Like I said, there's contact. Of course, there's contact. You look for contact. There's going to be football's a physical sport. You can never not touch someone. But has he gone straight through him to get to the No, he hasn't. He's just been stronger. Emerson's tried to buy a foul. The lino is literally, what, five yards away? It's almost like wave play on and go, no, no, mate, get up. Referee's pretty much done the same. And he's a lovely ball into Dom, you know, the other side of the fullback. And, and Dom sweeped at home into the corner. Good finish. Really good finish. You know, sweep, took it early, sweeped at home, right in the corner, 2-1, right, game on, let's have it. And, uh, you know, the players haven't even stopped for a second to think that that's even going to be given as a foul. Obviously, look, Spurs are going to do... Oh, look, you know, they're obviously going to surround the referee like everyone seems to do now. You've got to check the screen. You've got to check the screen. Lo and behold, who's sitting in the VAR van, if you want to call it that? Who's sitting there, mate? Michael Oliver. Yeah, it's our favourite, isn't Michael it? Oliver's yeah. sitting, Michael Oliver's sitting in there going, yeah, you better get that checked. And like Dice said himself, you know, as soon as you go to the screen and you're slowing everything down and you're trying to see if there's any sort of contact, he even mentioned the Martial thing, which I was, you know, really vocal about. Martial's got a massive track record of buckling and going down easily, looking for looking for penalties. He did the same. He said, I said it, he was, he was already on his way down as soon as he took the touch. And I said that at the time. As soon as he took a touch on his right foot, he was looking for the contact for a pen. Referee sees it in real time. I We said this on the podcast, I don't know if it was last week or the week before. 
when referees are refereeing the game, they see it in, and to use his Dice's word, the feel of the game, you know what I mean, which he keeps on going on about, the speed of the game, you know, he they see it. And, and normally a referee's first instinct is normally the right one. They will get it wrong. Of course they will. They're not, you know, they're human. But when they see it in real time and they see the way the play's unfolding, they, they would have, the referee would have said, as soon as Emerson went down, in his head, he would have gone, get up. You know what I mean? Waves play on. And then literally, they then slow it down. And that, and that, that, that for me, is not what VAR should be being used for. It should not... You know, it, by the way, it wasn't the most shocking call of the weekend when you see Willie Bolly getting sent off, by the way. I mean, that's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. But, th- but this is the point I'm saying. VAR, you know, what are we using it for now? The whole idea is we don't want to disrupt the game too much. We're finding ways to stop goals. If Gomez had gone right through him with force... Then fair enough. You can you you've got you know, Oliver should be saying, look, we need to get that checked. He's, he's actually gone in with force there and gone right. Like, he hasn't. He's just pressured him and he's buckled. Yeah, and 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 like I said, that's two one. We were on top at that point. We were creating chances. And if if, if I'm honest, if Gomez scores to make it two two, you know, there's a chance we go on and win the game there as well. You know, well a real let's, chance, let's, by the way. Because Tottenham are feeling it. Let's not forget either, before this goal's even disallowed, let's go back to the first half, where Amadou Onan is having his shirt taken off his back by, oh, by Skip. God. Now, what you see people saying um, when it happened, he's got to go down. Why has he got to go down? If someone's pulling your shirt, and it wasn't just a little quick shirt pull, by the way, it was, I've got all of your shirt. It's literally shit. He sketchy. couldn't jump. It's he couldn't jump. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. He hasn't got to go down. Because if he throws himself on the floor there, he definitely doesn't get the penalty, by the way, because you say it's simulation. So what have you got to do to get a penalty? Because people will say, oh, there's always share pulling. Okay, there's share pulling, there's arms and things like that. Not like that. That's absolutely ridiculous. So again, what's VAR being used for? You want to disallow a goal for minimal contact, which is basic. As Sean Dice said, these are these are players, Premier League players, who can stand up with, you know, after taking a little bit of contact. You know, they haven't got to go down. So you look at that, the little little touch from Gomez, which is, a, it's, it's you know, he's come in, he's won the ball, he was stronger, he goes away. You look at that compared to a blatant share pull where he's got hold of him for, you know, seconds on end. O'Neill doesn't go down and you're saying he's got to go down to win a penalty. That's, that, that's not basically, what, what kind of promotion is that? In terms of how you should conduct yourself. Well, you see, you see Onana pull out of his jump, doesn't he? He doesn't exactly. jump. He turns away because he's almost if like, what, what am I going to do here? Yeah. He turns away like I can't jump. But the, and, but the, um, the, yeah, the, the Gomez one, said, the Gomez one. Well, oh, sorry, the, the, the mind you said didn't he post match, and we've said we've had this conversation many many times over the last you know twelve months or so. Who's refereeing who? It's, it should not be a case of those at Stockley Park refereeing a game of football so many miles away and refereeing the officials on the pitch. It should be the official at the ground and obviously the assistant referees. Officiate the game, and if there's a clear and obvious error, VAR can then intervene. There's a clear and obvious error for the corner that comes in. There's a clear share pull. As I say, it wasn't just a, a typical half a second pull of the shares. He had all of his share for about half an hour. That's a that's a penalty. And the one on the the, the tackle by Gomez on Emerson Royale, who spends half his time by the way yesterday on his ass. I've never seen a player mm. go down as much as him, and he you know. He's not even very good. He's not even very good to be honest with you. I think he's a really, really poor player. He, he is. He, he's. He was. He was poor yesterday. 
He was trying to, he, he, almost at times, I thought the, the Spurs players were almost refereeing the game because they were going down, they were screaming, they were staying down, holding the, holding the legs, and you just think to yourself, come on, you know, and, and you look at that, and he, st- you know, he goes down, he basically got that overturned, he, he made them make a decision. If he if he gets back up there and thinks, well, do you know what, yeah, I've lost the ball, shit, I better, better get back. That doesn't get pulled back for a foul, by the way. But it's all to do with how the players react. But the, the officials on the pitch should be refereeing the game. It should not be down to people who are miles away from the stadium saying, hurry up, go have a little look. Have you ever seen go to a screen over a foul like that to disallow a goal? I've not. You, you know what, when, when you've got Mike Dean, who, by the way, was, was one of the worst referees I've ever seen, when you got him saying in uh, on Sky Sports, it was soft. You know it was soft. And these are the frustrating things. You know, Everton, we've been in great form, uh, a little bit of a disappointing week. But you can see a side there that deserves so much more yesterday. And what you what you deserve at the very least, and on a wall side, we'll say this, and you mentioned there, obviously, Forrest and Willie Bolly. I mean, how he got sent off was just incredible, by the way. He, he was fouled for the second booking, but um, every side will stay the same. But what every side deserves is fair officiating and consistent officiating. And I said to you yesterday, the only consistency in officiating is the inconsistency, basically, and that's that, and that, that that's a really, really poor appraisal. But people will go on, and you see some of these accounts you were saying about back in referees and officials and supporting them. That's all well and good. This is Premier League football, and what we're seeing is we're seeing individuals who are frightened to referee a game. We're seeing individuals who aren't capable of refereeing a game at the highest level, and we're seeing most games every single weekend have some kind of situation which involves either statements being released by the, the PGMOL or mistakes being made in almost every single game. Now, we can accept human error. We accepted human error when there was no cameras, you know, there was no VAR, there was, there was no uh, even goal line technology and things like that. But we, you, you can't accept as many mistakes as this when you've got about 30 different camera angles for every single thing that happens and you've got, Numerous other people looking at the game. We cannot accept this every single week. And this is why people get frustrated because this costs you points. It then costs you money. It potentially costs managers jobs further down the line and things like that. And it's so frustrating because Everton deserves so much more yesterday. At the very least, the points. But that goal being disallowed, the penalty not being given, two key, key decisions in the game. And for them to, to be incorrectly given, absolutely frustrates me to death. Yeah, I think you know, you're rightly rightly upset about it, and and, and so are as all of us as fans, really. I mean, um, the Gomez one in particular was 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 shocking. And I think the word we're looking for here, mate, the term we're looking for, is over refereeing, and that's what we're doing. We're over refereeing matches. You know what? Part of me does feel, and this is going to be a bit controversial. Part of me does feel a little bit sorry for some of these refs. Well, all of the refs in some ways, because they've spent their whole careers working their way up from the lower leagues. You know, right the way through Unibon Conference, through the football leagues to get to, you know, their holy grail, if you like, the Premier League, to be refereeing at that level. What have they done throughout the whole of that time as they're learning their trade? Refereeing football matches, not having someone in their ear to, to, to tell them that we need to go and re-referee something. Do you know what I mean? And, and I do kind of feel sorry for them in a way because, you know, as we've, as we've had a chat before, my grandfather was, was a referee back in the day. Back in the day, by the way, when referees had it as a, when he was a head teacher as well, so he did it as a second job. You know what I mean? So that's how different football was then back in the 60s when he was refereeing 
you know, at Goodison and places like that. You know what I mean? So you're literally like, it was a different, totally different world then. Nowadays, these refs are earning like, you know, 150, 200 grand a year. It's a bloody, bloody good job. You know what I mean? I mean, they're earning more than the prime minister. You know what I mean? Earning more than a lot of doctors and consultants and everything else. So, you know, there's big money in this. You know, so for me, I, VRL's come in. Obviously, a lot of us don't like it. Let's be honest. It's even worse when you're in the ground because you don't know what's going on. And half the time you're looking, you know, is that going to be disallowed? Every single time you score now, you, you're panicking. Very rarely now can you celebrate a goal in real time without basically worrying it's going to get overruled, which is a joke. Because the whole idea of football is emotion. You know what I mean? You're in the ground. You want to celebrate with your mates and you know, there are people around you. And, and you, you're kind of thinking, well, is it going to get over? You're trying to find ways yourself for it to get overruled, which is what it shouldn't be. So for me, that that was an absolute disgrace yesterday. Absolute disgrace. And, and like I said before, the refereeing games, you don't have people in there. We've heard some of the audios. It's a mess. The audios are a mess. They're over, they're all talking over each other. You then can you obviously you can pick up some of the players in the background as well. The referees getting a million things being fired at them at the same time. No way in a million years they should be looking to disallow that. And and the, the referee is there on the pitch. Like I said before, he sees the game. He's you know he's he's in the flow of the game. For for all he knows at that point there, Emerson's gone down probably for the fifth time in fifty minutes or sixty minutes. You know what I mean? So therefore, he's thinking, well, look, you, you, you've got to wait. I've given you a free kick for a couple. Now you can just get up, mate, because you're taking the mick. You know what I mean? So, for all, but then all that seems to be taken taken out of context now, because then Oliver's there going, well, let's slow that down. Let's see. Oh, look, there's a little bit of contact on his standing leg there. Yeah, uh, go to the go to the screen. Go to the screen. You know what I mean? It's just absolute joke. Football should not be about that. You know, all of us now. If you did a consensus amongst all the clubs and even the fan bases. I reckon it'd be overwhelming that people would just say, get rid of VAR and go back to referee human errors. 100%. 100%. And in a way, there will be, there will be cock-ups because there always has been throughout the whole of echelons of football. But in a way, they're the talking points. You know, they're the talking points. And that's, that's the difference right there for me is, is, you know, all this, even the offsides are a joke. You know, the fact we're slowing things down to the millimetre now because it's got, you know, marginally offside. You know, it's been quite refreshing to have no VAR in the League Cup. Mm. we've been to some of the games it's actually quite refreshing to just get on with the game just get on with the game you know you thought Beto may have been slightly offside when we, in, in the League Cup game didn't you but then when we watch it obviously he was on when we watch it on TV but that's how football should be mm. you know so it's no we don't want to harbor, harbor, you know, go on about it too much in the day. We've, we've given it an affair time as it is and we know how frustrating it is but you know going back to the players you know, even the Fulham game in the week Mike we were there at the game and you know, the players look shot from the from the get go. Let's be honest; they look knackered. The amount of emotional and physical energy these players have spent since we've had the points deduction, and let's not take away emotional energy, by the way, because it will take a lot out of you. You know what I mean? We lost the first game. That the the intense emotion that United the first game back after the points deduction, you could feel it. It was palpable. It was almost probably too much. And in the end, obviously, United getting that early goal, you know, completely burst the bubble. But since then, you've got to give massive credit to the players, massive credit to the way they've reacted to adversity. I think Poster Cogley said himself in his in his pre-match uh, press conference, didn't he? he? Came out and said, you know, you know, they've had massive adversity here. Players can go one of two ways: they can either basically feel sorry for themselves and drop like a stone, or literally take it on board and go, let's get on with it and use it as motivation. And I think the words Poster Cogley, they've been first class, and I and I agree with that. 
the players have been absolutely brilliant. But the emotional and physical energy you could see at the Fulham game, you could see it. Don't get me wrong, we were the better side from 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 you know first minute to last against Fulham. We were unlucky to go out in the end. Uh, on another day, I reckon seven or eight times out of ten we win that match. Yes, we lacked that little bit of quality. Yes, Fulham let us have the ball, which as we know we don't like having the ball. You know, and and we were struggling to have any creativity. That's why I was saying I think we needed Gomez in there, but unfortunately you have a little niggle. But ultimately, the players look shot. But Mike, what do they give us in that Fulham game still, mate? They gave us heart. They gave us everything. Garner nearly broke his ankle. You know what I mean? He was, was up on his feet. He's not wanting to go off. He wants to carry on. McNeil was literally on his arse with 20 minutes to go. You know what I mean? The players were literally dying on the pitch there, trying to get a result. You know, and Beto comes on, gets a brilliant goal. The fans loving it. He gets another goal. Brilliant for him. Happy for him. And the players gate, we get, we deserve to win that. Okay, look, we can go on about the penalty. Let's not talk about that. And you know, we've we've had our say on it. But but ultimately, the players gave absolutely blood, sweat, and tears in that game. And by the way, Spurs have a free week in the build-up to us. We go to their ground, and they give everything again. They give absolutely everything again, mate. And that's why right now it's so easy to fall in love with our football club again, isn't it? You're right, and it's the attitude, it's the application. You know, the the point about the the emotional side of things and and the energy that that uses when you're going through adversity is is a really key point. And we we did look a bit we did look a bit shot on on Tuesday night, and we did look a bit devoid of energy. By the way, difficult conditions. It was windy as hell at Goodison Park on on Tuesday, so I mean, it didn't really give you. Uh, the, the perfect set to play fantastic football. Uh, same for both sides, but we were still the better side. You know, we, we still deserve to win the game, but listen, it happens. You know, it's one of those things. But to come out after that, go to Spurs, like I say, put in that kind of performance bar the opening 20 minutes when obviously we shipped the fit, you know, those two goals, which was sloppy, obviously, Richardson coming from our left, the ball coming in, and then the second one, you know, Pickford saves the first shot, puts it into, you know, a not a great area, and and you know Son sticks the rebound in, but the, these things happen. The response has been fantastic. We look strong as they get even stronger when the game went on. You're making substitutes. I would say Andre Gomez comes on, scores a terrific goal. Fantastic technique, by the way. You know, we, and not many many of our players. I don't think you, you'd trust to, to to even do that. You know, it's a lovely lovely finish. Um, you know, but Dan Juma comes on, makes it makes a real difference. I you know, arguably greedy. A couple of times when he, he should be crossing the ball. I'm not gonna gonna argue that. But I think that, you know, with him coming on and doing what he did as well from the left, and I think he he, he was uh he went he went left, he got then he got moved to the right hand side and vice versa. He was all over the place and he was causing problems. You know, obviously personally for him, being at Spurs last season, he wants to prove something. You know, and you look at look at the chance at the end, you know. It it how how could it hit the bar come down almost over the line? hit the goalkeeper's thigh and then bounce out a bit more away from the goal. I, I just, I, I couldn't believe that that didn't go in. I just... It was just how, how's your luck, basically? How's oh. your luck? That, that, that's moments in football where you just need a bit of luck. And, you know, he was a millimetre from going under that bar into the roof of the net as well, you know, and it does just clips it. The keeper doesn't have a clue where the ball is, by the way, does he? No. Obviously, because it's so close, it's close range and it just drops down, hits his knee and spins out. Could have easily gone in, easily gone in that. Um, but going back to Dan Juma, I thought, like you said, he made a difference when he came on. Again, the game was open. What I loved, Mike, was some of the balls that we were playing. McNeil played a brilliant ball through to him. He got him in. Gomez played a couple of brilliant balls 
you know, a left foot and the ball Gomez put in for Garner, by the way. Um, not Garner, sorry, for Harrison in the first half was absolutely delightful. Mm-hmm. And I think that was only bettered by Harrison's little outside the foot, yeah. a bit of swaz on that. You know what I mean? What a lovely ball that was. I know Harrison seemed to be getting a bit of stick from some quarters. And look, don't get me wrong, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not the perfect player, but I mean, his, his work rate is phenomenal. He presses brilliantly. That's his Bielsa in him that's been coached into him. But he's got that little bit of quality as well. We've seen that with the lob that he scored. You know what I mean? He's, 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 I think he's got five or six goals and assists this season. What a ball to Garner that is. Lovely touch from Garner. Hits the outside of the post. Very unlucky. But then, yeah, going back to Dan Juma, I think the game suited him in a way at that point because he wasn't having to track too much. So that's what Daish's reservations are of him. Is that unlike McNeil and Harrison, they're happy running the other way. Dan Juma maybe less so. But he came in, particularly off the left-hand side, we know he's dangerous. He's got lovely technique. It was a lovely bit of skill he had when he had two. He drew two players into him um, um, and he nutmegged Porro, didn't he? With a little old one-two left foot, right foot, uh, or right foot, left foot, sorry. And um, but there's a couple you could for me, I, I think you could tell he wanted to score against his old club. And I when I say old club, obviously inverted commas, he was only there for a, for a season, but you know, he he, he wanted to, he, you could tell it was almost to the detriment of us as a team, innit? He was almost like, I want to score, I want to score, I want to score. And you saw Beto's reactions, Beto's reaction uh, to him from some of the, some of the positions he got into him. He was fuming, he was fuming on a couple of those. Uh, and rightly so, because as a striker, he, he was in. You know, there was a, I think there was one point. It was three on three, and 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 he, he's got to play him in. He's got to play him in. And also, he ends up having a shot with his left foot, which is a great save by Vicario, who's arguably been one of the best keepers in the league this season. And, you know, and then like you said, the one at the end, um, he's just unfortunate there. What a lovely ball from McNeil um, again. But what I what I really like there though, Mike, is when we had the ball in transition, which we did several times in that game, how many times did we pick the right pass? How many times have we been critical of this team kind of going, oh, if we just had that little bit more quality, you know, we'd have, we'd have, we'd, you know, played the right pass there, we'd have been in. And Gomez gave us that yesterday. Gomez gave us that yesterday. Left foot, right foot, he gave us that. You know, simple things sometimes in football, you know, like the weight of pass, the right pass at the right time. And he gave us a lot of that yesterday. He gives us something different in midfield. And I, I think with Decore out, you know, it looks like uh, Garner Gay might be out for a short while as well with his calf. Yeah, there's, a, there's an argument to say, look, put him in the 10. I think, yeah, I mean, we, we know with, with, without dwelling on the point about Gomez too much, we, we know that, like you said earlier, he needs legs around. And we've always said that. And, and at times when he's been put in the midfield too, you see, obviously, with, with Tom Davis, even in the midfield too, full stop, you can't play Andre Gomez as, as that second central midfielder. In this current system under Sean Dyche, what we do see is we do, you know we have, we have a number 10 who plays off the striker, normally the core, right? Um, obviously, James Garner's gone in there. Harrison's gone in there. We've seen McNeil in there before. But Andre Gomez is perfect for that. In, in, in games when, you know, we don't always have a lot of the ball anyway, but I think in games that we're, expected to console maybe a little bit more or you've got that bit more space against Manchester City obviously our next game I wouldn't be advocating for Gomez to start that game because what we need in in that midfield including the 10 you're going to have to drop in you're going to have to work hard you, you, your defensive side is going to be more important than your attacking side and at times you know, we did see Gomez by the way sacking back yesterday a couple of decent tackles and blocks from him of course but against Manchester City you, you need someone who, who's athletic 
Um, you know, hopefully the core. I don't think he's too far away. The manager said, you know, he's, he's a good healer. He's coming along really well. This was as of as of Thursday. So I don't think he's too far. It's whether because there's that many games and quick success, it's going to come a little bit too soon. We have to wait and see on that. Um, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it was a great performance from him. Dan Zuma as well made the real difference. Everton, you know, we can sit here and talk about it all day. Everton deserve more than, than zero points, at least a point. And you could certainly argue the fact we deserve we deserved all three. And and that's a testament to this side after, you know, a disappointing performance and an outcome on Tuesday. To go out there and do that when you looked absolutely shot on Tuesday and the players were, you know, after about sort of 70, 75 minutes, a lot of them were really struggling. To go out there and do that against a high energy side in Spurs, they don't give you much much time when you're trying to help from the back. And I think did that quite well, I thought, yesterday. You know, at times we were going short and we were playing a little bit of football. Um, but they do give you a bit of space. If you can break a press, you, you find that space. So it's a testament to the players and the manager to come away from there. I have immense pride in the performance. I feel massively agree we haven't got something from, from the game. And it's certainly not a performance which, which which should make anyone's heads drop. Because I you know, I, I look at that yesterday, and as a fan, that's evident to me. If you can go away from home, you, you can accept defeat in certain circumstances. And you, you you can accept yesterday that Everton did everything they possibly could against a very good side to come away with something. Sean Dice has made this side competitive. And you've got James Garner said after the game, we're not, we're not threatening anyone at this moment in time. No one scares us. You know, we've got a, we've got a way of playing. And it, 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 it's great to see. And it, it sounds strange after losing the game that you can feel so positive. But I think that we, we, we all deserve to feel positive and the players should feel positive that they, they now have a, have a way of playing. There, there's definitely a trust there between players and manager. And I think that the players especially now have, have, got, have got the fans back on board. And it's this is what Everton is all about, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's well summed up, mate, there. I really do. Like I said, there's a lot, there really is a lot to like about this group of players right now. And, um, you know, we've struggled to have that affinity with them uh, in, in recent years. And, you know, as I said, you've got to give huge credit for the mentality shift that the managers managed to do there. Um, I said to you guys as well, I think I mentioned it on Twitter in the week, that um, I just hope what, what did for Carlo hopefully won't do for Daesh. And what, what I mean by that is, is, you know, we were second on Boxing Day in the COVID season and, and we were playing some lovely stuff. Um, and, you know, that wasn't that long ago. Let's have it right. It was only a few years ago that we were in that position. You know, real chance of getting into Europe, hopefully the Champions League even. And, you know, when it comes to this stage of the season, the fixtures are so congested. And in the end, you know, key injuries cost us, isn't it? And our momentum, we ran out of momentum because we just didn't quite have the same quality coming off the bench. And I just hope that doesn't do for 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 Dyche here in, in that, you know, if we do, we will start to lose more players because it's inevitable with the fixture list. Which, by the way, when you look into that, is a bit of a joke. I know it's always congested around Christmas. But, you know, I think Dyche briefly alluded to it in a, a press conference the other week. I think, you know, we've got six or seven matches in December, all within a tight schedule. We've got two in January. Mm. Two matches in January. We've got one, obviously, the first week of the season, uh, the first week of the new year. And then the next one's the 30th of Jan. We've I know we'll obviously it's, have a cup, we've got a cup game Cup as well. Yeah, yeah we've got a Cup game as well, of course. Yeah. But the, the point still remains, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, why are we playing six or seven fixtures? Players are dropping like flies for every team. You know, loads of teams are struggling to, you know, losing players left, right, and centre through injuries more than is. 
And then we've got effectively two league games in January. Mm. Absolutely well, bonkers I mean, when you look at that. That, that, that obviously sort of uh, brings a little bit more weight to the arguments about having a, a winter break that we see in Germany and Scotland. And, and I know they, they do, what they do is they do stagger the fixtures in January, don't they? Which is what brings about, I think, um, that little bit of a gap as well. But there's too many games. You know, if, if you look at December, Everton are playing seven games in the league in December, plus a couple of games. So eight games is a lot of games. But listen, you know, we know the situation. It's, it's the same for, for everybody. And and the games come. But the out. difference is, it's the same for everybody. The difference is, though, the teams with the bigger squads get through that period oh, we know. more than everybody else. Well, and we've always suffered with that. It, it probably, arguably, even more so now because we haven't been able to invest in the squad. You know, we've had to sell players. You know, fire sales to get to to, to, to effectively meet the financial criteria. And even then, we got you know, we got absolutely shafted. Um, but then, you know, we haven't invested. When you look at every single uh, club in that league right now, they've all invested more than we have in the last few windows. Mm. You know, and, and you know, the fact we've actually got a team out there that's being competitive against some of the best teams in the league is is, is brilliant because, you know, we, sh- we should have no right to be competing against somebody's side. Postacoglu came out and said, yeah, look, we've, we're threadbare at the minute. We've lost some key players, and they have. But then they've still got the likes of Brennan Johnson coming in. You know, they've still got a like, you know, the, the likes of you know, Benton Kerr comes out, but then they've got, you know, who's the um, lad? They've got uh, the Danish lad in midfield. You know, Basuma's out. Oh, he's yeah. big. Hoiberg comes in. Who's, let's be honest, he's a very good defensive mid. You know what I mean? So, mm. yeah. I, I, look, don't get me wrong. Emerson Royale doesn't get into most teams, so I can understand Foster Cockley being fuming there. But the point still stands is that there's still quality in there. They, you know, they've lost Madison, they've lost Basuma, they've lost you know uh, Van der Ven at the back. You know what I mean? But they've still got players in there who are you know arguably solid Premier League players, and 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 that's the difference. That's the difference. That's what will get teams like Spurs through this tough period. Teams like City, you know, teams like uh, Arsenal, Liverpool—they've got that quality in depth because they've been able to spend so much money on the squad. We've just got to hope that if we the injuries we do get, you know, like it happened in Carlo's season, it isn't to key players. You know, we lost during Carlo's reign. We lost Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who was having a brilliant season, didn't we? Uh, in the second half of the season, we lost Richarlison for a period. I think we lost to Corey for a period as well, didn't we? So, you know, those those really derailed our season and then we, we sort of stu- stuttered over the line, didn't we, at the end? But I, I just hope that it doesn't do for Daesh. Um, because I think if we do get these points reinstated, and I'm still firm in the belief that we should do, whether we do or not is another matter, but let's see. Then if they are reinstated and we get we get a fine or anything like that or a, or a, or a ban, transfer ban, you know, we're pushing for Europe. Mm-hmm. We are right now, for me, a top top eight team in this Premier League. A top eight team, hundred and the stats show it. The stats show it. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean that that brings us nicely on. So you mentioned obviously games coming thick and fast, and, and sides with with riches, should we say? And and obviously next next up, Goodison Park on the the twenty seventh. Stupid kickoff time, by the way. Quarter past eight, ridiculous. Um, is Manchester City obviously fresh off the the uh, what are they now? The, the world champions or, or something like that? Uh, I think Everton would have won that competition to be fair. Um, but they they come in with another trophy. Obviously, they've be, they've been been a way to, to win that at a couple of games. Um, they come to Goodison Park on the twenty seventh. Not in great form in terms of league terms. The City are, are stuttering. They do stutter every single season. It seems. Um, it doesn't mean that they that they're a poor side, by the way, because they what a side Manchester City are. You know, we we know how good they are. We know the quality that they've got. But you look at the at the games that they've had 
uh, in the league recently. If we go back to obviously the, the last league game, two all against Crystal Palace, three away lead there, straight past Luton two one, got beat by Aston Villa, straight past uh, Spurs by three goals to two, due with Liverpool, due with City, um, with Chelsea four all. You know th- this is not a a Man City side where you'd argue with fire on all cylinders. Obviously, they've got players to come back in. Haaland being being the main one, of course. Kevin De Bruyne is back in training. Wouldn't surprise me if, if, if we if we see him at Goodison Park. But it's never, ever a simple task against Manchester City. We look at last season and, and they rocked up and it was 3-0 in the end, wasn't it? Uh, I think our players got applauded off the pitch at the time. Uh, you know, we, we were trying to push... Pushing and stay in the Premier League, and it was that was uh, near the back end of the season. Do you think we can do something against Man City? They, given the fact, as I say, the form isn't great in the league, given the fact they've had to travel away, play a couple of games. I know we can utilize the squad, of course, but do you think that you know, coming to Goodison Park on the 27th, Everton can, can, can give them a competitive game? Oh, we'll certainly give them a competitive game, and invariably, we always have, particularly at home. Um, even away, we've given them some great games. Our record before they turned into this, you know, three quarters of a billion turnover club was very good. Um, but um, yeah, it's 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 a really strange. You can caveat that Villa game because Villa are obviously a very good home form, even though we went there and won. You can caveat that because they had Rodrigo missing that day, and 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 he is uh, sorry, Rodrigo, Rodri, sorry. And he's massive for the way they want to play, um, and he was he was he was a key loss to them in that in that fixture. And Villa deserved more than deserved to win that game. That wasn't a smash and grab. They absolutely hammered them in that game. You don't see that happen to City very often. You don't see that happen to a Pep Guardiola side very often. And they had some key players missing that that game. Um, the key for me is is if Haaland is still out because he's missed the last few games. The same with the stress injury on his foot. Um, De Bruyne is coming back and we all know how good he is, arguably the best player in the league when he's on form. He's been training with the squad over over in Saudi Arabia. Um, I believe, I don't think he's played in any of the matches, so I'd be very surprised if he, if, if he, comes, if he comes in and plays against us. Maybe there'll be a place on the bench for him. Hopefully he won't be anywhere near the squad for me. I'm hoping Haaland won't be fit enough to play. Um, I know he's been training with the squad from 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 what I've heard over there, but but he, he wasn't selected uh, for the first game, so therefore he couldn't have been eligible for the second game because that's a nominated squad. I do feel Haaland will be back. Whether they throw him straight in, I don't know. Um, but I think De Bruyne, we know how good he is. It shows you how good Man City are, the fact they're still up there contesting and they're still going to be in with a shout of, of the league. We know that. Pure... And that's without their best player, De Bruyne. They're still up there. You know, if De Bruyne comes in and stays fit between now and the end of the season, you could arguably say they're favourites because they've been there and done it. They've got the mentality in doing it. Personally, I don't want them to do it because it just makes the league almost a farce in the fact they'll win six out of the last seven. So we're getting into sort of Bayern Munich territory. Um, So I do think we'll... Of course, we'll give them a very good game. We know we will. Um, it, the pattern of play will be very different to the game against Spurs. It, obviously, they're going to have all of the ball. We're going to have to sit in a shape. Like you said before, we're going to need athletes in there covering the grass. Uh, I personally slightly disagree with you in the fact that I do think there's a place for Gomez there and the fact that when we do win it back, we do need that player with a bit of quality. You can play the balls 
you know, in behind or through the lines or, you know, when we've played City or other teams similar invariably in the past, when we have won it back, we've normally given it straight back to the team because we just didn't quite have that quality of, of players, you know, retaining the ball under the press, isn't it, in tight spaces? And he certainly can do that. He's probably one of our best players at doing that. Certainly technically one of our best players. So I do think if we are sitting in a shape, which I think we will do, they're going to try and break us down, try and create overloads out wide. We know how they like to play. But the key is when we get it back, what can we do? And we've had some success doing that. You know, I cast my mind back to when we went there and Lukaku scored that goal on the counter-attack. You know what I mean? And so we can do it. We just need that little bit of quality when we win it back. So it'll be an interesting game because it'll be their first game back. Um, obviously, all their players will probably be back today, won't they? So, and then they've got a couple of days then um, to sort of reacclimatize and, and, and get ready for the, for the game. So, I mean, Pep, you know, if you were to ask him, what game would you want first game back after being in Saudi Arabia? Well, I, I, Everton away wouldn't be anywhere near the top of that list. So he knows it's going to be a tough game. He knows we're in good form. Um, he would have watched the game uh, against Spurs and seen how well we played there as well. So, um, you know what? There's a real... There's, there's, I'm not saying we're going to... There's a chance here to, to turn him over here. I think there's a chance to turn him over. There's a good chance. And don't get me wrong, City are massive favourites. What I mean by that is... is the circumstances that we're coming into, you know, City could turn up on the day and, and sweep us aside like they did last time, 3-0, quite comfortably. We know that. But I just think the way the circumstances are, the way where, you know, they've had to go away, they've had to interrupt their season, potentially no Haaland, potentially no De Bruyne, as we said. I, I think there's, there's a chance. There's a chance, you know, if we stay in the game and, we, and, like I said, we counter and we transition with quality, I think we could potentially get something. Yeah, I think, and that's why, obviously, I allude to the fact that they've been away. They've had a couple of games, and they've had to travel back. It all, it all impacts any side, you know. So, in terms of the circumstances, are they ideal for us? Potentially so, you know. But it's up to us to to make the most of that and make sure that we can take some kind of advantage of it. Obviously, we've got a little bit of rest. I'm sure the players will be have a bit of a recovery today, potentially off Christmas Day, back in Boxing Day for a little. Uh, a little light session, and then obviously all uh, all roads lead to Goodison Park on the twenty seventh. And you know, rest are important when when you've got so many games. There's only so much you can fit in, you know, in terms of you know to to the fitness side of things. Obviously, preparing tactically is another thing, but the players need that time, that time to rest. And um, hopefully, we've got a couple of players back. I know Seamus Coleman was close for the Tottenham game. Ashley Young wasn't too far away. Obviously, we mentioned earlier on the core, right? There's, there's three players there that make that squad better, you know, and and, and we do need, as I said earlier on, we do need bodies. You know, the chances are Garner Gay is going to be missing, um, but he's due to go away anyway within the next sort of week, 10 days, uh, maybe a little bit longer to the African Cup of Nations. Um, St. Gomez is, is now back. So we, we've got we've got players there now hopefully coming back into this squad and hopefully we've got a few more of those players available come um, come the 27th against Manchester City and like you say the circumstances will play into things hopefully and we have to take advantage of that you know we, we have to you know set up in a manner you know go back to, to that first game under Sean Dyche against Arsenal when we were terrific you know and I know City are a better side than Arsenal but you know Man City are not for me at their races at this moment in time you know that, that world club championship that they've won fantastic for them to win that they weren't playing the particularly high level of opposition, you would argue. Um, but 
they've still got an absolutely fantastic side, a fantastic squad. You know, when you you can rotate the likes of you know Phil Foden and Jack Grealish and, and Alvarez and as you mentioned there, Rodri, um, who's probably the best centre midfielder in in probably the world, to be honest with you. You know, when you've got those kind of players and that kind of quality, it's it's difficult. You know, and you've also got that is it um, Doku to come back in as well. You know, who's 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 set the Premier League alight at times with with his his ability, his pace. So you know, if, if he's coming back in, he's another threat. So we, we know. Listen, we could talk about their players all day and and you know say what kind of threat that they've got, but it's I think it's important to um to to remember that we are now a much more competitive side. We we certainly look a lot better on the eye. Um, you know, the last the last sort of. 15, 16 games or so, Everton have done really well. And the confidence should be flowing through through that side. And and they certainly, like I said, they only shouldn't feel downbeat after what happened against uh, against Spurs. But let's have let's have your prediction for Man City if we can. What are your thoughts? Um I'm just looking at City's uh, stats then actually the last game. Rodri went off injured in that game against Luminese, they won 4 0. So he's going to be so, okay. Though. He's going to be okay for for the uh, game against us. All right. Okay. That changes my prediction then. <laughs> um, no, I, I think City are overwhelming favourites. I do think they'll, you know, they'll they should win the game. Our record against them recently has not been the best, um, other than Pep's first season. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say one-one. I think it'll be a super tight game, but I think we'll score. I think we'll score, and I think we've been so good defensively. Recently, um, I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, one-one, one-one. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to echo that as well. I think we can get something from the game. Why not? You know, we mentioned the reasons why we why we think that, and this side should be full of confidence. And it's it's a game that we shouldn't be fearing at this moment in time. Like James Garner said, shouldn't fear anybody, and and they don't at the moment. So confidence is is high. So I'm going to match you with it with a one-all. Um, and, and fingers crossed that'll be a nice little late Christmas present for all Evertonians uh, but that's us for today obviously it's a nice little Christmas Eve episode to, to get out hopefully you can obviously listen before the, the Man City game uh, we'll be back ourselves uh, probably post Wolves now given how, how thick and fast the games are coming obviously we're, all, we're all attending the uh, the night with Phil Jagielka and, and Jimmy Martin of course so we've got a, got a busy busy time with the match in that as well so we're probably going to come back post walls to look back at that in Manchester City so we will catch you then The Unholy Trinity Podcast Three Blues Three Opinions One Everton Podcast Sports Social Podcast Network